Gamecom active. Welcome to another episode of Classic Gaming Brothers. I'm Seth. And I'm Zach. And we are the Classic Gaming Brothers. That's right, we are the Classic Gaming Brothers. Thanks, Tasha, for coming on to our show. It was great to have you, and you were very insightful in regarding your Nancy Drew knowledge. Yeah. So, let's let's get into this episode. Let's talk about some of the games that we have been recently playing. So, uh, Zach... I go first a lot because I'm the oldest and I was here first. So why don't you go first today? (laughs) I thought you were going to pull one over on me and be like, I go first a lot. So how about I go first again? (laughs) I was thinking about that. And moments before I said you could go first, that was the words that were going to come out of my mouth. But uh, I decided, I think I pulled that gag already. So I'm going to, you can go first. So, Seth, the game I've been recently playing is Spider-Man Miles Morales, which is a sequel, follow-up, extended DLC. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's more content to Insomniac's 2018 Spider-Man game. Spider-Man Miles Morales came out in 2020 for both PS4 and PS5. I have the PS4 version, as I do not own a PS5. In the game, as the name would imply, you play as Miles Morales, as you learn to become Spider-Man, while Peter... Is on vacation because Peter has literally gone to Europe with Mary Jane. So in in this universe, Mary Jane works for the Daily Bugle. She goes to Europe to work as their foreign correspondent for a few months. And Peter's like, this gives me an opportunity to go to Europe. So he goes to Europe as well to take photos for her. Miles is left in charge of all of New York as he is kind of learning to become Spider-Man. And um, you have to fight the Tinkerer who is working to sabotage Roxanne, who's trying to develop this new type of energy. And Miles is trying to figure out why. Is, is Peter Parker's voice actor not Tom Holland? Correct. But it's not, it should have been for Miles Morales, Jake Johnson. It should have been, but it's not. It's um, Yuri, Yuri Lowenthal, I think his name is. I mean, he's it's the same guy from 2018 Spider-Man. It is funny though, for the PS5 release of Spider-Man, they actually went in and remodeled Spider-Man's player model, like the character model, and they made him look a bit more like Tom Holland, but it's the same voice actor, and the PS4 version did not get updated, at least not that I've seen. Um, However, PS4 Miles Morales has the updated Peter Parker, so I was like, whoa, who is this guy? (laughs) That's not Peter Parker. (laughs) Who's this man? Who's this man wearing the Spider-Man suit? It's pretty good so far. It's, it's, um, I mean, it's shorter than the original game obviously because again this isn't really a full sequel they actually are doing spider-man 2 they just announced it but this is kind of like uh i guess you could call it like an in-between of sorts like it's a mini game uh, not a mini game but it's like it's like the pre-sequel i guess you could call it it's like the kingdom hearts or metal gear where it's just yeah, like it's some, like an offshoot, some off, that's offshoot canon. game that's canon but not related to the actual numbered sequels it allows miles to build up his powers without having that be the focus in spider-man 
Spider-Man 2 because in Spider-Man 2 he can have all his powers already available to him whereas in this game he is learning like his Venom Strike which is his like electrical attack or his uh, stealth mode that he can do where he goes invisible for a bit because Miles has slightly different abilities than Peter does and that makes him kind of play a little differently you you can kind of do this game a little bit more stealth like than you can do the original the the 2018 Spider-Man yeah I think my favorite alternate Spider-Man is probably a tie between noir spider-man and spider-gwen i like both of them equally i like the spider-man from the 1960s japanese television series who does appear in the comic books he yep. was a giant mech. And I also like Spider's Man, who, oh, I do is, <laughs> who is a cloud of sentient spiders that take the form of a human. I do like Spider's Man a lot. What I have been recently been playing is a game called Dinosaurs for Hire, which is a game. Dinosaurs for Hire was developed by Sega Interactive Development Division and published by Sega for the Sega Genesis. It came out in 1993 and is a running gun side-scrolling platformer type game where you can play as one of three dinosaurs from the original comics that was written by Tom Mason. The three dinosaurs that you could play as are either Archie, who's a T-Rex who dresses like the Terminator and loves the Terminator. They all have little bios and in Archie's bio, his favorite movies are Terminator 1, Terminator 2, and Terminator 3 and then a parenthesis says he hopes it will be since it it was before Terminator 3 came out when the game came out. So he was excited about Terminator 3. I hope Archie wasn't let down too bad. There's also Lorenzo, who's a Triceratops, whose shtick is uh, him enjoying Hawaiian t-shirts. And there's Reese, who is a Stegosaurus, who loves blasting and has an eye patch. There is also a fourth dinosaur that shows up in the game, who's in the original four in the comic, they're like a group of dinosaurs that go hunting. And his name is Serrano, and he's a pterodactyl. And he shows up to give the missions in the video game. The game is definitely very satirical when it comes to how it's presented. The game opens, and it just drops. You pick either one player or two player, and then just puts you right into this mission where you're fighting against this gigantic boss. And if you kill him, the game rolls the credits. And it's like goes, congratulations, you won. And it, then it rolls the credits, and then goes just kidding and then they do an entire exposition about how you thought you won but the game is just beginning and then you go to the first level which i think is it's kind of like a, almost like a cold open yeah so in the, in the game it's you fight a lot of ninjas who are also like small because you're a dinosaur so if you think that the dinosaur is like normal perspective then these ninjas are like very small like humans running around they're like fighting ninja children they are they're small because you're a dinosaur though i think that in the actual comic i own the original graphic novel i have yet to read it i bought it at an antique store and it came out in 1987 it then got picked up as a full run and was uh, a regular series and i believe they were they're actually not dinosaurs but they're aliens and they look like dinosaurs because apparently there's convergent evolution at play and their spaceships malfunction that's why they need to work because <laughs> they gotta, oh. they gotta pay them bills. It's like Obi Wan on Tatooine, you know. They gotta, <laughs> they gotta go work for Watto and get some credits. 
Did Obi Wan work for Watto? Oh, Qui Gon Jinn. Oh, I was. Gonna, I thought you were talking about when Obi Wan was like exiled <laughs> on Tatooine. I was like, is that like? Is that like? Did they talk about how he made his mind? Yeah, that's, that's... <laughs> I thought he just mind tricked everyone because he was like didn't care. Spoiler alert! That's the entire Obi Wan series. They just shot. It's, it's just him working for Watto. That's gonna be a good show. <laughs> Company too. It's like it's like Watto, Obi Wan, and a droid. <laughs> So dinosaurs for hire. Do you do you do you recommend it? Sure. Yeah. It's it's fun. It's a, if you like Contra, then you you probably like Dinosaur for Hire. You have like a gun. The second player, and I think regardless of what dinosaur you play, uh, you have the same gun and it shoots the same way. Uh, there are pickups and power ups that make your gun have two beams or three beams and so on and so forth. I didn't get incredibly too far into it, but I'm I'm sure there may be other power ups as well. If there are other power-ups, maybe we can talk about them in a future episode. Well, anyway, that that episode is not this episode. No. Today we are talking about something that is, uh, I think, quintessential 90s. Um, I say quintessential a lot, but this thing is really 90s. Um, because today we're talking about, oh, technically we're talking about two things. Tiger Electronics and Tiger Electronics's video game system that they had, the GameCom. Before you get into your history here, your, your memories. Their console was called Game dot com it's gamecom no no there's a dot no you don't pronounce the dot <laughs> so for our our listeners if we showed up a picture of their console at the top it would say game.com yes yeah it looks like it's their website it, it does and they actually we'll talk about it they actually did have game.com as a website trade like they, they're just going for hard for the dot uh, com bubble there anyway go back to your go back to your memories <laughs> memories of tiger electronics so yeah i remember being on the bus and there was a kid who sat behind me one year or one like ride or two rides and he had a tiger electronics sonic game and i remember playing it and being like this is really cool because it was my first experience playing sonic as a portable at the time i didn't know that there was a game gear but it was my first experience playing a video game portably and yeah looking back on it it probably wasn't the best experience uh, for those who don't know, Tiger games play very similarly to Game & Watch games, but it was it was very cool to me. Um, but that was my first experience with Tiger Electronics. Since then, I have seen, obviously, Tiger Electronics games at thrift stores and stuff and, and just various places. Um, what about you, Seth? What are your memories of Tiger Electronics games? Uh, so their GameCom is their actual console that had cartridge-based Yes, games yeah. in it. I don't remember that, but I do remember that Tiger Electronics made a lot of LCD games that were specific for a franchise. That's like what the Sonic game I saw was. It wasn't the GameCom. It was someone playing right. one of those LCD Cause the, screen Because the GameCom's a little more, it's better. Is it though? But we'll, we'll get to that, I guess. But it's a little more complex. I it's guess. a little more complex, yeah. I definitely remember the X-Men Tiger Electronics game where it's got like Cyclops and like Wolverine, like striking a pose the background is fixed like there's a picture of a background and then the lcd characters kind of run around and do various things the the lcd is a little more it's not as slow as a game and watch i mean this was the 90s when the game and watch was back in the 70s mm-hmm. so uh i think actual electronics at the time were getting quicker in terms of speeds that you could do with certain i mean they're all simple devices but it was still i think a little quicker i have a little baseball tiger electronics 
like original one from the 90s and um it's it's pretty quick it it, it plays faster than i think some of the game and watch games that i've played yeah i think just because the lcd technology is uh progressed to the point but yeah so i remember that game i also remember the 1994 lion king where it had uh like scar and like simba and nala on it and they were like, yeah i remember that yeah and you like play like some platformy type of a lot of these tiger electronic games were very platformy they had a spider-man one i'm thinking where there was like him in electro yes yeah yeah that x-men one though is like i saw a picture of it recently that is like you, you, if you want to say you're from the 90s you had a, you probably ha- you you would have that x-men yeah i think i i think we did own it yeah um just with that that art style so like classic x-men i just i remember like the characters in it were like drawn characters like cartoon characters and then you had like little lives at the bottom and the lives would disappear if something yep. happened to you and then you would like have to like jump from platform to platform and fight the bad guys but the background didn't change but yeah. the platforms would change so you have to watch the lcd platforms and make sure that you jump to those yeah but the background would be a static image yeah the background's yeah. a static image and sometimes the background in the lcd lined up and sometimes it did not so but yeah for sure we uh we owned the uh x-men project x well we are done reminiscing in the past and now it's time to talk about actual past not our made-up past in our brains. So in gaming, there is something called shovelware. That's an important thing to keep in mind because it defines a lot of what Tiger Electronics was and is. So shovelware specifically is where games are made to cash in on a popular trend or a hyped up movie or TV franchise. It's like when Stranger Things does successful and then you can go to the store and buy a Stranger Thing LCD game made by Tiger Electronics. (laughs) Arguably, the appeal of Tiger Electronics was that their handhelds were dedicated pieces of shovelware like the x-men game the order of operations was like x-men kind of relaunched with x-men 100 and Mm -hmm. got taken over by chris claremont and bob mcloyd and all those guys chris claremont started writing and he did his run and they decided that you know let's support x-men with action figures and let's support it with cartoons and let's support it with tiger electronic dedicated shovelware games along with actual licensed games for the yeah Yeah, yeah. and the other software you see it in the day you know like there's something that's popular you see how many funko pops for it you see funko pops for it. you see games of monopoly for it. it's just companies trying to uh especially companies that sell merchandise uh really trying to buy in on the hype before we get into the actual games that tiger electronics did uh we should talk about the company's history itself so tiger electronics was founded in 1978 by three people gerald Risman and his two sons randall and Arnold Rissman. They were, perhaps you could say, either the Rissman brothers or the Tiger Electronic brothers. A year later, in 1979, uh, Gerald divided the blocks of stock amongst the brothers. So Gerald also had a third son who didn't start the company, but he still gave stock to him. 
and his name was Samuel. Though in 1986, both Gerald and Samuel withdrew their stock. So it left Randall and Arnold in 1986 essentially running the company. And Samuel the brother and Gerald the father were no longer interested in the company. Now, the company was created to produce low-cost electronics and electronic toys. And it initially started off to create phonographs, electronic handhelds, and educational toys. And they really got their like first kind of flagship product, or at least like the product that took off, was the K28 Talking Learning Computer in 1984, which looks like a speaking spell, but turned on its side and blew. Tiger also sold a line of robot toys, which were amazing, and I wanted one forever in 1992, which was called the 2XL, which was a reintroduced toy, which was originally created by Mego back in the 1970s, because robots will never go out of fashion. They never do. The 1990s were overall a good year for Tiger, as they received one of their biggest successes, uh, the cassette player and recorder, the Talkboy. The Talkboy was released in 1992 and got considerable attention due to the fact that it was featured in a little movie called Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. Not only was one of their products featured in a box office success that was Home Alone, but also they were able to license laser tag from its inventor, Shoot the Moon Products, bringing the popular laser gun game to the home market so that people could blind themselves now at home. Right. So this was not a, a game that they incorporated the laser tag into, like a light gun. This was just playing laser tag with your friends when children would go outside and shoot lasers at cars and get yelled at. I had a laser tag set. It wasn't from Tiger because um, I think we had a knockoff. I'm pretty sure I shot a laser tag set into the road or had friends that did that and dad was not happy however tiger really got their big money from a line of handheld lcd games which we've been alluding to this whole time lcd stands for liquid crystal display and works on a technology a little different than the led screens that we see today where they have crystals that darken with inputs. LCD screens are probably most familiar to people from digital calculators and from digital watches. So if you've ever had an old style digital watch or most calculators to this day, you're likely familiar with an LCD screen. Now, LCD screens, as, as Seth alluded to, um, would work by lighting up static images in quick succession to give the illusion of movement. So you might have a person whose arms are in one position and then quickly change to another position. And even though it's like one frame in the next frame, if you do it fast enough, kind of looks like they're moving. Tiger was able to kind of churn out all these LCD handhelds because they attained some lucrative intellectual property licenses. Um, some of the early ones included Robocop, Terminator, Spider-Man, X-Men, Full House, and of course, Sonic the Hedgehog. Because we're not going right. we're not going a single classic gaming brothers episode without mentioning that boy Sonic. And there was a few Sonic the Hedgehog Tiger Electronic games. There were. There were more than I thought, because they're they aren't just like based on the, the mainline Sonic games. They just made Yeah, games. they're just like, here's Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh this this Tiger Electronic game is dedicated to collecting special stage rings or whatever. Yeah. And then the next one is just like this is just dedicated to you fighting Dr. Robotnik. And if it sounds like there there was 
there's a lot to remember with these Tiger games. There are 468 machines that were released under the Tiger Electronics handheld line, which that's just a rough estimate. <laughs> they're, they're, I found a list and what I did was I took that entire list and I dropped it into an Excel spreadsheet. I found the bottom number and I was like, that's the number we're going for. At least 470 at the at the very least that were licensed as Tiger Electronic handhelds. It was a moneymaker for them. This was what you would call their cash cow. And they owed it to three factors. Effective licensing, low price games. Each of their games ranged for about 20 bucks in the 1990s and early 2000s money. So I, I would say between the 40 to $50 range, adjusting for 2021 inflation. And also these were simple and addicting games. The licensing on those handhelds were so wide range because Tamara Lebowitz, the director of marketing for Tiger Electronics, stated, we read all the magazines and talk to all the studios to keep cutting edge with what's hot with kids. And so they were actively soliciting licenses and probably getting into properties that really weren't possibly new to licensing. So this was well before Disney owned everything and had an army of licensors just ready to fight the licensee. This was like Marvel. You know, Marvel was a small company back then. Some of these companies may not necessarily care with their property because they'd be like, yeah, you can go license it. And if Tiger was staying alert to them, then they could get in on some good properties. And because they were also small, they were really able to pursue the licenses aggressively and speedily because they were able to keep on top of it. They had a lean machine and they were pulling in money. So they had the money to buy the licenses and they had a small enough team to be able to keep up on the license. Generally, license agreements will have a term where you need to make X number of product, sell X number of products, or pay some X value of revenue. For example, the license from Star Wars to Kenner, they would only have to give Lucas those like $15,000 a year if they didn't produce a Star Wars figure because the licensing deal originally from Kenner to, to Lucas was very much in Kenner's favor because Lucas was desperate for a toy company. However, Tiger was able to negotiate good deals and be able to release a game quickly while the property was still popular, which is important. Bringing a product to market quickly is key to tap it on that popularity. So unless a licensor gives sneak previews to a company in order to time the releases right, then the company needs to play like speed machine in order to keep up because of so much production that goes into like television shows and movies that if there is like NDAs and you can't really work on stuff or can't get released, the companies won't have enough time to make stuff, manufacture it, get it to shelves, you know, because you have packaging, manufacturing, all sorts of back-end stuff, which is why you can watch like Hasbro and see them show action figures for characters who may not or will exist in future properties where they're like, we made this action figure of this guy who never appeared in any movies because they were told by Star Wars to make the guy and that's what they did and Star Wars ended up not using the, they cut the character out of the movie so Tiger was able to move quick get the product in, in while it was popular and they made money and they went for every license Wayne's World was big there's a Tiger Electronics game for that Lamb Chop was big there's a Tiger Electronics game for that Full House was big there's a Tiger Electronics game for that Home Alone Tiger Electronics game X-Men 
Man, Tiger Electronics game. Spider Man, Tiger Electronics game. Jurassic Park, Tiger Electronics game. MC Hammer, Tiger Electronics game. If it existed, there's probably a Tiger Electronics version of it. It's just how it is. I mean, every, everybody worked with them. Disney worked with them. Warner Brothers worked with them. Everybody was just like, yeah, well, whatever. Because also, having a Tiger Electronics game doesn't stop you from making a Sega game or an NES right. game. Or a Super Nintendo game. And it doesn't stop you from making an action figure or having an action figure line. You can have all these properties in the same market. And there wasn't anyone that was really... Because Nintendo was probably the people because they were making their Game & Watches. But they weren't making really like licensed Game & Watches. No, Beyond really. their own stuff, right? Because they yeah. would have like their own properties. But Nintendo was like, we make Game & Watches based on, you know, whatever. Our own stuff. And Tiger Electronics was like, whatever. We'll slap whatever you want on this package and do it ourselves. And if people, you know, licensors were excited about it. I'm sure there's a Stranger Things tiger electronics game and the simple nature of these games i mean again these are lcd games they really didn't do too much but there was a simple nature to them that um helped sell them to people who may not be able to understand a complex game so taking for example legend of zelda if i picked up legend of zelda as a child i probably wouldn't have been able to understand it uh, at, at the best i mean even playing legend of zelda 2 at the time i don't really understand what i was doing i don't understand what i'm doing now half the time with video games you give a tiger electronic to a kid and they got it i mean they'll, they'll figure it out it's like two buttons so they can probably figure it out or for example children who might be too young for console games i mean console games are really being sold to old, older children i mean probably in the you know 10 to 11 to 12 range for most um most games but with these tiger games you could give them to younger kids uh, they were also like pretty hefty size so you wouldn't have to worry about like the kid eating the game system um so they're you know pretty good for a younger audience and the low price was incredibly appealing to parents and family members so let's say your child like seth let's say seth back in the 90s said to our parents mom dad i want the newest x-men video game for game boy which was 30 dollars at the time you could find the tiger version for 20 <laughs> and the tiger version didn't have to buy a whole system for that you got your whole game right there in one package. So these low prices were attractive to people who were looking to buy their kid a toy for Christmas and didn't want to spend the money on buying a video game console and a game. And they came in all range and sizes. Now, were these games the same quality as Game Boy games? No, of course not. That didn't mean Tiger didn't make money from them. Tiger made a lot of money. In 1994, they actually did something kind of unique. They introduced a special line of game called Tiger Barcodes, uh, with two Zs at the end for some reason. This featured a barcode reader that would allow you to scan real-world barcodes. So you could take them off like cans of soup or, or, or boxes that you buy from the store, and you could scan them into this machine, and it would add stats to your character that you were playing. Um, so a lot of these were fighting games. So I think there was an X-Men one, there was a Mortal Kombat one, and there was a Street Fighter one. And you would fight the characters, and if you scan barcodes, you got more stats on them. In 1995, Tiger acquired the toy division of Texas Instruments and agreed to manufacture toys for both Hasbro and Sega. Later, in 1998, they merged with Hasbro. The purchase from Hasbro actually resulted in a lawsuit between Arnold Rissman and Randall Rissman, the, the original brother, with Arnold asking for an extra $95 million to what he would have received if he retained his stock until the sale of Hasbro, since he got out well, after Samuel got out. Yeah. Uh, before Hasbro merged, which, uh, yeah, was probably a merger. 
versus like a a complete purchase. But the court actually found that Randall did not defraud his brother. And thus, he didn't have to pay the the extra $95 million he would have made if he stuck around until Hasbro decided to merge with them. In 2020, which was last year, if you're listening to this episode 2021, or perhaps (laughs) two years ago, but it's decidedly in the past, Hasbro reintroduced a few of the handhelds you could buy for $14.99 to $15.99, which is a pretty good price point. You could actually find these today at various retailers. Getting the exact number on Tiger Electronics line is a, a bit difficult as for, for sales. Since there were over 400 made in, in about 10 years, Hasbro did merge with Tiger Electronics and they did so at the cost of $335 million, which since that was done in 1998, if you equate that money to today's money was would have been about almost a half a billion dollars, $555 million. The purchase was also considered a move that would make Hasbro a leader in electronic toys, which was what people were saying during that time. According to their 1998 annual report, the acquisition saw that they had a net revenue increase of about $3.3 billion in that year alone. So Tiger Electronics certainly brought the gross revenue of sales, sales, sales. Oh yeah. I mean, one little product that Tiger Electronics brought along with them was a little thing called the Furby, uh, which became a nice, nice bit of money for Hasbro in the years to come. Right. So Tigerotronics and their products really solidly sit in the toy department. They don't really cross over to the electronics department. They really are toys. And Tigerotronics was a toy company, which is why they were bought by a toy company. And they didn't just make these handhelds. They made other things as well. While they were churning out those 400 plus handheld machines, they also did a little experimentation with the world of video game systems, uh, especially video game systems that used cartridges. Their first big success in this type of line was actually something called the Quiz Whiz, um, which if you see ads for Tiger Electronic Toys back in the later part of the 90s, around the time Hasbro acquired them, always mentions the, the Quiz Whiz. They're like, remember the Quiz Whiz? That company is still around and they're making a bunch of stuff. So the Quiz Quiz was this toy that um, used cartridges for various quizzes. You just plug in the cartridge. It would give you a specific quiz that would correspond to a quiz book that you would have outside of the cartridge. Following that, they did the R-Zone, which I I consider kind of a Tiger Electronics offshoot. Um, These were LCD games, but they were actually stored on cartridges. The cartridge itself was the LCD screen, and you would plug it into this really obnoxious-looking device that would sit on your face, and it would back-project onto a reflective screen to simulate 3D. It was like the Virtual Boy, but worse somehow uh and finally they released the gamecom which despite as we've talked about being spelled game.com with a with a dot there it's apparently pronounced gamecom from pretty much all the ads you would find from that time period the gamecom was tiger's way to compete directly with the likes of nintendo and their game boy and sega and their game gear the gamecom was announced in February of 1997, and it was first demoed at E3 in May of 1997. So, fun fact about 1997, the Gamecom was the only new game console that was released that year. So they had no competition. (laughs) Beyond those that are already existing. They had no new competition. The machine was described by Dennis Lynch of the Chicago Tribune of being sort of a Game Boy for adults. 
Now, it launched in August of 1997 with a retail price of $69.95, which equates to $117 in today's money. There was a packing game that was included called Lights Out, and Solitaire was built in to great fun games for adults. What was Lights Out about? Lights Out is like, it's a puzzle game. You have a grid, and you have to turn all of the squares on the grid dark and you have to like if you press them different things it's like there's a pattern to it you have to get it right later in its life in 1999 a pocket pro version of the system was released for 29.99 which is about 48 dollars in 2021 so it, it got cheap quick <laughs> Uh, Tiger launched a website along with the machine, which was game.com, and it had an aggressive marketing campaign where a spokesperson would insult gamers who asked questions about the machine. At one point in the commercial, a spokesperson, the spokesperson says that the system plays more games than you idiots have brain cells, which by the time the machine was discontinued was apparently 20 games. <laughs> So they only had 19 brain cells. Now, the machine it looked a lot like a Game Gear. The screen was in the center, there was a D-pad to the left, and buttons to the right. The unique fact was not only was the screen a touchpad, but it was in f- a... But in fact, the original model could hold two cartridges at once. So you can switch your games without pulling the cartridge out. How convenient. I mean, with 20 games, that's like... That's a good percentage of all the games available. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 10% of the catalog could be stored in the game at the same time. Yeah, it's not bad. The machine was monochrome and also did lack a backlight. So kind of like the original Kindle. It's like a book. <laughs> <laughs> the light's not on. It's not working. The GameCom also had a tool uh, in the system that allowed you to connect to a GameCom branded modem because yes, this machine did in fact go on the internet. Um, I mean, it was called the GameCom. I would hope it had something to do with the internet. The GameCom was actually the first video game console to have proper internet connectivity to access the world wide web. Previous consoles had ways to go on uh, networks and stuff like that via phone lines and stuff, but this was the actual, you could actually surf the web with the gamecom not that you wanted to because as as i mentioned you you had to have a modem <laughs> so right. you, could, you couldn't bring this to the cafe because you would need to lug your modem with you <laughs> similar to the tiger's handheld series the gamecom had a lot of games that were based on already existing licenses mostly thanks to the fact that tiger had already established these relationships so it was pretty easy for them to get these licenses so there were titles like resident evil 2 Duke Nukem 3D, and Sonic Jam that were available for the GameCom. Now, as I say these titles, Resident Evil 2, Duke Nukem 3D, Sonic Jam was uh, on the Sega Saturn, so that was a, it was a pretty complex game. That was all of the Sonic games in one on the Sega Saturn. You're probably thinking to yourself, Zach, these are some pretty advanced sounding games. Because these were games that ran on 3D consoles, PC. GameCon had to take some... Had to take some cuts. Uh, Resident Evil 2 on the GameCom used 2D sprites and ran very slowly. Duke Nukem 3D stayed in 3D, but ran very, very, very slow. (laughs) And Sonic Jam was not the entire Sonic game collection like the Saturn version was. Sonic Jam was just a handful of levels that kind of looked like Sonic levels and kind of played like Sonic levels. It's fun. So like they were all like D-makes. They were kind of worse than D-makes, but they were D-makes. 
they kind of look like bootleg versions of the games that you would expect to play. And Tiger Electronics was just demaking games before it was cool. Yeah, that's true. The lackluster games that were available and the overall quality against systems like Game Boy and Game Gear meant despite the cheap price point, the system actually didn't do very well commercially. Most magazines gave it a lackluster review due to the quality of the screen, but it did praise the games for being graphically superior to the original Game Boy and having a fairly good audio compared to the other systems. Now, Stephen Kent of the Chicago Tribune said the machine had a an elegant design for a more civilized age. He didn't say that. He just said it was an elegant design. He also said that the design did not translate into the ideal gameplay. So they were going for form over function and i've seen the game come doesn't have much form it certainly didn't have much function the system sold around three hundred thousand units and was discontinued three years after its launch so it was not the worst selling system that we've ever discussed and that's it that's that's, that's tiger it. electronics the handhelds the GameCom, everything that's uh, uh i mean there's really not much to talk about with tiger electronics i wanted to include GameCom in here because it seemed fitting Tiger Electronics is not a defunct company. Oh, no, They're, no, yeah. They they are still around today. Um, they are actually based in Illinois, uh, Vernon Hills, Illinois. Uh, they're, uh, they still do video games, consumer electronics, and audio games. Oh, well, I mean, like we mentioned, they, they Hasbro was putting out those kind of retro remake versions of their games that were back in 2020 and those are still tiger electronics games they still have the tiger electronics yep. brand on them they're just being sold by hasbro anyway let's talk about the games that we are excited about by waiting or passing on uh seth i went first at the beginning so uh i can go first this time if you want go ahead okay so the game that i'm excited about by waiting or passing on is house of the dead remake so well, yeah house of the dead is getting a remake and apparently it's coming out sometime this year it's due out quarter four of 2021 which is soon it's being developed by megapixel studios and it's pretty sure it's a switch exclusive um at least what i've seen so far has been all based on the switch release coming out uh, it's going to utilize the switch's joy con gyroscope functionality which is pretty cool so if you have a uh a regular switch as opposed to a switch light you can use the joy cons to house of the dead it to control your gun so that's pretty cool it will also have a handheld mode um so you can play it on the switch light if you if you'd like i mean i have a switch light my partner has a regular switch so we can probably play it on either i'm not sure how the handheld mode will work i'm kind of curious about that but hey if it's if it's gonna work it's gonna work uh house of the dead remake i will probably buy it i don't know um i'm curious to see how it will work in handheld mode before i pick it up because again i have a switch light so i primarily play games in handheld mode but yeah that's house of the dead remake due out quarter four of 2021 i am excited for something that's not as cute as house of the dead remake it's even cuter let me tell you about fisty fluffs fisty fluffs is a gloves off claws out type of game where you play in this adorable physics-based cat fighting game which it's coming out uh it's already out <laughs> <laughs> it came out back on september 23rd of this year the game is a 3d fighting game where you play as cats and is been developed by playfell studios and published by rogue games 
Incorporated. So far, there are mostly positive reviews. There's only eight, so it doesn't have a, a meta tag yet. Yeah, that's not quite but a good sample size. Some people say that it is maybe a little unfinished. Other people say, the next time I get my squad over, we're going to be playing Fisty Bluffs. And people are saying that the cats are cute and the physics are fun. And it does, it looks hilarious. I think I want to play this game on the couch with somebody. I'm going to put this down on a wait. So at MSRP is at $19.99, and I don't like to pay full retail for anything. And maybe I'll pick it up on sale, and we will play this game on the couch with myself and my wife. Or I will get it when I want to play this game with my wife and be like, don't you want to play this game where we fight as cats? And she'll say, yes. And then we will play this game where we fight as cats on my couch. Could also be a good game for Extra Life and that game in Dinosaurs for Hire. Whenever we do Extra Life, as you may or may not know, Zach and I are going to Retro World Expo, which we're going to talk about multiple times until we actually go. Anyway, Zach, do you want to take us away? Do you want me to take us away? Seth, I'll take us away. Let's say you want to listen to us, contact us, and support us. Have I got news for you? First off, you're already listening to us because you've made it this far into this episode about Tiger Electronics. Amazing. Honestly surprised most of you are still here. Uh, I see some of you are leaving in the back. Uh, In any case, thank you for making it this far. We appreciate it. However, if you want to tell people how to listen to us, you can let them know that we are available on all the major podcasting applications. So for example, we're available on Podbean. We're available on Amazon. We're available on iTunes. We're available on everything. Uh, But if there's something that we're not available on, let us know, because you can reach out to us if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, uh, such as telling us that we're not available on an application. Uh, You can let us know via our email or our contact form on our website. Our email is classicgamingbrothers at gmail.com or classicgamingbrothers at classicgamingbrothers.com. You can also visit our website, www.classicgamingbrothers.com, and you can fill out our contact form. Any of those ways you can get in touch with us. You can also get in touch with us by following us on social media. We have a Facebook, an Instagram, and a Twitter. Our Facebook and Instagram are Classic Gaming Brothers. Our Twitter is CG Brothers Pod. We are also available on Twitch. Uh, We do not do a lot of streaming, but we're looking to fix that problem. And our Twitch is twitch.tv forward slash Classic Gaming Brothers. Be sure to follow us on all those platforms and uh, make sure to let us know how much you like the podcast. Ring bells, do all that stuff. Uh, Following us on those platforms, letting us know you like the podcast and, and listening to us are all ways that you can support us. Because really the best way to support us is just letting people know that you like the podcast and letting us know you like the podcast. I mean, we did an episode not too long ago from user uh, feedback someone suggested we talk about counter-strike so we put together an episode about counter-strike that is a way to help us with this podcast and that is a way to support us with this podcast not that seth and i are running out of ideas getting content from our listeners is a great way to be supported by our listeners and it's one way that you can give back both to us the classic gaming brothers by suggesting some fun ideas but also to the classic gaming brothers community by coming up with something that you think other people would be interested in hearing us talk about or for a threat if you don't give us ideas we will do an episode on dinosaurs for hire so we we appreciate any feedback we get one way that you can um, also support us is by leaving us a review on itunes itunes is a great way to let people know that you are interested in our podcast so leaving us a positive review giving us stars whatever you can do on itunes it actually helps us it brings us a bit more visibility so be sure to leave us a review on itunes if you can also leave a review on any of the 
applications that you're part of or um, sure. drop us a follow on Podbean. You could comment on it too. Before I wrap up, I do want to say we also have a store. Um, we have some great t-shirts available on our store. If you go to Retro World Expo, you'll probably see Seth and I repping some of those t-shirts. So um, actually, I'll probably be wearing a sweater. It's going to be November. I'm going to be chilly. Um, but... <laughs> Or secret merch. Ooh, or secret merch. You'll be seeing us repping some merch no matter what. Also, um, if you hit us up, we'll probably give you a sticker because I think we still have a million stickers left over. And pins. And pins. Yeah, we have a bunch of stuff. So come find us. If you see us at a convention, always come find us. As Seth mentioned, we will be at Retro World Expo. That's the first weekend in November. Um, We'll be there all weekend. We're staying at the convention. If you are going to Retro World Expo, let us know. Um, or if you see us walking around in our merch, come say hi. Don't be a stranger. Uh, Seth and I are much more awkward in real life than we are on this podcast. Anyway, that is it. Unless Seth has something extra to add to this episode. Don't play games like my brother. And don't play games like my brother. I've been Seth. And I've been Zach. And we've been the classic gaming brothers. That... I still can't believe there's an MC Hammer Tiger uh, Electronics <laughs> game. Uh, that's uh, right. Uh, right. <laughs> I have a surprise for all the slackers, but nothing better to do than play games and surf the net all day. Game Call! Bring those bloodshot eyes on these babies! It speaks! That's rock. Thanks to be touched! Wires you to the internet! And it plays more games than you idiots have brain cells! Game Com, the ultimate portable gaming system.